This is the third episode, Andrew. Nice little boast cup in the, the hand. The hybrid podcast. Hybrid slash boast. We're in. We're in there, though. Right, so, as always, a little bit of a flow. We've got a few topics. We're going to start with the topics, and I'm going to bore Andy with a fact at the end and see if he can digress on it. Probably not. But body image is one that's been coming up quite a bit. Now, there's a few different layers to this, and now we're going to go for, we've got body image that we're going to talk about, how we dealt with it in the past, now moving forward. We're going to go on to thoughts on being lean, competing at being lean, and then actually performing at being lean, which is a hot one. Age around performance. What age is, is it relevant? How far can you train till when it comes to age and things like that? What happens over them times? And then within the fitness injury, social pressure of being shredded. Right, so body good. image. Yeah. How have we dealt with it over the years? Like thinking way back, have you ever had a moment where you thought, you know what? Well, think back when you were powerlifting, 110 kilo. It wasn't just to be strong, you wanted to be mass. 118 kilo. <laughs> can I olive oil here? Jesus <laughs> Christ. He's called Terry Owens, by the way, anyway. We'll put that video on soon. Andy, <laughs> yeah. go on, pal. <laughs> okay, so my body, body image. image. Yes. So personally, I've never really had any body image issues, mm. okay, from like a, the way I feel about my own body in terms of the way it looks. But I think early on, like I was always quite a lean. I was very lean as a kid, yeah. you know. Um, and I think, I think it was like year... Like year nine or something like that, and I started getting into the gym. Uh, a few of the lads from school, do you know what I mean? Blagging that you're old enough to join the gym when the gym owner knows you're not old enough. So you look 12, Paul. Yeah, you, I literally looked, you know, so young. So you walk into the gym and they said, Have you start obviously doing bicep curls? Why wouldn't you on chest or whatever? And I think early on at the gym that we used to go to as kids, it was a real spit, sawdust, real, old real heavy vibe. old school vibe, you know. And I was really, really inspired by the bigger guys in there. I could really feel mm. their presence, mm. do you know what I mean? I could see them chucking the big weights about, there was grunting, there was screaming, you know, and the size of these men obviously juiced off their mind. Do you know what I'm big saying? Up. Pro bodybuilders, like huge guys. A lot of mass on that top shelf. A lot of mass on the top shelf, do you know? Yeah. And, and I think something really clicked with me and it was almost like, cause I, you know, even as a youngster, I was always inspired by power. And inspired by people that have what got power. What were your main inspirations as a kid? I know mine. What were, what were yours? Like, say you were looking at aspirational things that like we always talk about. Mm. Who would you look at? Well, I think there's a few different people, to be honest. Like some of my mates, dad, one of my mates' dads, he was a copper and he had a lot of power. In my yeah. mind, he was very authoritative. And for some reason, as a kid, for me, authority and I guess what I thought was power at that yeah. time. Um, really suited me as a as a person yeah. it, you know authority regimented routines really kind of stuck with me of my personality obviously that's just the way I'm the way mm. I was born right the way I was built so for me then going into the gym it was like I'm seeing all these big blokes throwing weights around the camaraderie that they had it was like yeah. a bro like you said the brotherhood, the, the brotherhood. it was yeah. like a brotherhood and being so young at that time I thought that is bit where, of me, that. that's a bit yeah. of me that's a bit of me because I can see there is struggle but they're helping each other out and the size of them and what they was lifting, I was like, Fuck, I need a piece of this. I want to be like this. Yeah. Because it also suited the authority, the discipline, the power. Yeah. It all kind of tied into one. So for me to go down that avenue of being big and strong really suited everything else that I liked as well with, you know, the power and discipline, et cetera. So, you know, in, linking it back to body image, I think that in them early days, 
for me to get bigger in size and show strength in the gym. For me, it wasn't really a body image thing. It was like a very much, I'm just going to get as big as I can and as strong as powerful. I can. Because that's powerful. Yeah. It's it shows discipline. It shows regimented, you know. Yeah. So for me, it wasn't like, there was obviously a visual representation that I wanted to look like, but it wasn't through a, what a usual person might think of this conversation. And insecurity, I feel like this. I feel like I don't like I don't feel like this. I don't feel like this. It was more like I want to be big and strong because I want to it's more aspirational than yeah. like reflect on where you're at. And that's why I wasn't bothered about the way I looked when I was at 118 kilos. Like I had a lot of body fat. Still an abs, lad. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had a lot of body fat, you know, I still yeah, yeah. fairly thick ab wall, to be fair. But yeah. you know, this is why when I was at my heaviest, it never bothered me in terms of like shit, I, I, look, I look a bit big here and or I'm a yeah, bit yeah. fat here or whatever. It was like, look at my yeah, numbers that I'm What was the goal? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The goal for me was to be strong and so strength. So it was a little bit here. And two, two, for two, two for Tuesdays Two for on Tuesdays dominoes. on Domino's. Yeah. You know, it, it didn't really bother me that at all. And people's, I'm sure people, everyone has an opinion, but you know, nobody's opinion or thought process ever bothered me with the way I walked because it was all for that purpose of power and strength. And I was like, I'm cool with this, it's fine. There's an element of that, I think you just touched on it then, where you're looking at other people's, maybe parents or whatever it is, people you see in the gym. Like, I definitely had that for sure. Like, I lived on my ones with my mum all the way through. So, don't get me wrong, sick role model anyway. You take elements of that, but still, as a lad, there's always like a male role model you want and you always for kind sure. of look for. And I was very lucky. I've got a big group of mates and that who all dads were fucking boss as well. Like, I'm very driven, not necessarily just from a physical point. I wouldn't say any from a physical standpoint where it's like, right, he's stacked. That's a bit yeah, of me. Yeah, yeah. But the kind of drive and the kind of way these people are, it's kind of infectious, like we always say, and you want it to be a part of. Like I have family members, which I kind of looked up to and things like that. Well, of course, I'm, I'm not surrounded by no males. Mm. But it's like very much, I went searching for other role models and I've got quite a lot of role models and did have. Mm. Yeah, and there's a lot of different ways I can get that. But I think for sure from a physical standpoint as well, there are elements of, well, you look at other people in the gym, other people around you, other people doing certain things like, right, I'm tapping into a bit of that, a bit of that, because that's all a bit of me. But I think the biggest one I ever got was, I know we talk about body image, but the thing I kind of picked up was the work ethic side of things, mm. routine, habit. Because mm. a lot of these blokes did the exact same thing day in day out and they were very successful in what they do, which is the biggest thing. Mm. Being very consistent in what you do day to day and you will get results in what you're doing, yeah? Yeah. But back to body image, I reckon there was probably a period of time where I weren't, I weren't a big kid, but it was like, I definitely want to be leaner. Like mm. A fascination of being lean, a fascination, because you see... Bit not bodybuilding in its sense, but you see certain like Arnie vibes without going too cliche. But there's people you see out there, Rocky vibes, when you're mm. growing up and you're mm. like, when you see a Rocky training montage, you're like, fucking yeah, up yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, you want some of that. And it's, it's looking at things like that. And it's like, right, I'm going to go and train. Yeah. I used to do a route round for my mum's. And it was like, I'd go all the time at night on my own, pitch black, in hardly anything. It's definitely not the right time in winter because it was the exact same four mile loop every time. And I started to see things happen, see things drop off without really focusing on food. But it was that like hell bent on right, I need to be leaner, I need to be leaner, I need to be leaner. But obviously, I was playing football all the time as a kid. Like that was the only real thing. Yeah. And I got into the gym around 16. And then mm. that's when you start seeing ass. Yeah. But spit and sawdust gyms, I've got a lot to go for. You had that one. Me yeah. and some lads I went uni with, went to one in Liverpool. We've trained at uh, with Darren, body power. And you see the people training in them place and you're like, right, there's other levels. Mm. There's bigger, bigger people out there. Do you know what I mean? And not yeah. saying spy to be like them, but Course. That kind of that kind of drive they have, you know. Think you know, with this body image thing, you know. I think for me, it's a representation of much more than just of how you look. So, would I say I'm body conscious? Well, yes, I am actually. It's like, do I care about the way I look? Well, yes, but because it 
for me, it represents my discipline. It represents character. Character. My, my power. Yeah, it exactly. Re it represents exactly. me as a man. So it's like if I end up really out of shape, it's not because of what people it's think of me. Yeah. It's not because what everyone will think of me and say about me or what it looks like in the mirror. It's like you're lacking discipline. You're being sloppy. And these characteristics of the, of the image that it is, yeah. th those characteristics really doesn't suit me. Yeah. So I, I think for me, that's what it's like for what me happens personally. if you're not, you've broke routine. You've broke routine. Usual, you, exactly. You, you know, you're definitely overeating at something or you're undereating. You've, yeah. you've, you've missed some kind of routine. You're not training frequently enough or hard enough. You're, so those things for me represents my self-image and my body image. Not so much. So I guess you could look at self-image as many different, body image as many different things. So for me, it's a lack of me. Mm. Not really what anyone else thinks. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of people listening right now that it's like, Body image to me is what people say about me yeah. and how it actually looks in the mirror. Like the grabbing bits, like, look at this bit, look at this bit. So when I do that, look at this bit, you're not done this, Andy. It's more about me. You're not on it. You're not on you're it, not Andy. On it. You're not on you're not, thing. You're not doing your thing, yeah. you know, and that's not how you are. Andy, you're not like that. Remember what, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. remember your di remember what, what makes you successful day to day is underpinned by how much you train, how hard you train, what you're Everything, the day. isn't it? Everything. It's a knock-on effect. Yeah. How well you can beat other things, dad, et cetera, is all exactly. underpinned by that. And like, that, yeah, because How guilty do we feel if we miss a training session? Oh, I had a lion this morning. Fucking hell, I, had <laughs> I think I missed an hour this morning because I did the nursery run. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Mental. And you got, what's a lot going of, on? you got a lot of grief for it as well. well I was just like, what's going on here? Like, one morning, a chiller. And it's like, yeah. what, you feel that kind of pressure. And that is a good pressure standards. to be under. Because yeah. of high standards, though. And it's all been born out of looking at certain aspirational things in the past that you probably didn't realize at the time. But you were watching and thinking, yeah, buzzing, that's for what sure. we need. 100%. And that's what we, we've, we speak quite a bit about, obviously, Freya, Rosie, and like what we want them to be around. And it's the same kind of thing. Like we've spoke about it in the past where it's like give them as much confidence in the world where they can do whatever they want to do. Mm. It's confidence that we probably, I definitely wish I had it at that age, especially a younger age. I had it as I got older, but 100% I wish I'd had it earlier. Build their self-esteem yeah. so much that nothing bothers them so they don't have to Nothing's wave. Affected. Yeah, just build their self-esteem. All the social media stuff we talked about in the last episode, it's not relevant Yeah, because it will not crack them. That's the point. Yeah, you know, what we do with our clients, it is a really tough one as a coach to help people identify and kind of tap into their body image. You know, you can look at it as really simple as like, if you don't like the way you look in the mirror, then you've got everything that you need. You've got everything in your power to change it. Do you know what I mean? It's making sure that, that, that they clearly understand that that is the case. But because there is so many variables to people's body image, because, you know... It's not as black and white. It might be very black and white for us. It's just not well, for other people. Well, this is thing. it. You know, people so might have been bullied for yeah. their size. People might have been humiliated for the way they look. People might have had some comments that have really hurt them, mm. you know, and that has really damaged them psychologically. That's that, that's just much more than the way we feel about ourselves. Well, we can probably got fairly tough skin in what we do or whatever. Other people haven't, and that's mm. fine. And that's what we probably over the years we've had to really hone in on is understanding the client in front of you, especially with our other coaches. Like understand who's facing you. Yeah. Understanding the way I talk to him, I can't talk to this course, person. Course. It will not work the same way. It's understanding how to do that coaching mm. all the people. And this is why, like, some things that we can control as coaches is is exactly what I've just said that you have people listening, our clients. We all have everything that we need to change the way you feel about yourself. It's just sometimes it's a lot deeper 
it's ingrained a lot harder. It's been backed up by mm. so much more stuff that it's really hard for the person to see a way out of the way they feel. It's actually, no, you've it's got... Like they're clouded every, in what they're, they're clouded to because, because of all these all things. All the tools are there, but it's like, ah, yeah. you can't focus on that thing and just actually go through yeah. that. That's the hardest so thing. So our advice for body image, it's like, well, you really need to figure out exactly the reasons why you feel the way you feel. Strong why, and it'll, <laughs> yeah. it won't like, matter then. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, body image is a really, really tough one. And actually, it gets us down a bit, doesn't it, when, people, when our clients don't feel great about themselves. It's not nice for us as coaches. It's also when you see some guys and girls who've got that much potential when it comes to training and they absolutely smash it. And mm. just the little bits that they could be doing just to complete the full package, mm. it's just not there. And it's like, it's, eventually it will be. That's yeah. the point. Like, it's always going to be there, but they're clouded. So things in the and way. You know, sometimes it's easier for us to say, listen, you've got everything you need right now. You look great because they've heard it all before. You look great. You don't look and like that. They don't that. believe you, and they just don't give a <laughs> shit. Like they just don't care because they've got that self self doubts in there. Self doubt. They're, they're playing that record in their head over and over again about the reasons why they don't feel great about themselves. And you've got to really strip it all back and go as far back as you can and try and you know figure those things out yourself. Because for us to tell someone, look, the scales look good, your body fat's good, your pictures are good. Look how lean you are. We, we know ourselves, we've had some clients where they are in the most incredible shape and they still feel really shit about themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you usually find that. You usually find that some, some guys and maybe girls... Maybe body image wasn't the issue. Maybe the body image wasn't issue. the issue. Yeah, it's like you're the leanest you've ever been. You've got abs. You're What's fit, wrong you're, still? You're fit as a fiddle. Yeah. This is everything that you said you wanted and you're still unhappy with the way you look. So you've probably masked mask whatever you're really feeling with training and with a goal. Unfortunately, like, you, you, should, you should probably go and figure that out. Yeah. And sometimes as coaches, that's out of our control, isn't it? Sometimes as coaches, above our remit, this is honest. where we need to refer on, like we are not professionals in that. We've given you everything. Like, our job, of course, for our clients is to build, just like we Confidence, like, like yeah. Just like Rosie, just like You build confidence in any client, they will get results. Game build over. them strength, show them how they can overcome goals, get them stronger and show them the evidence that they are strong. Getting better. That they are getting better, that you've got forward. everything you need to get better. Sometimes it's not always the case and they need other professional help, isn't it? You know. So that brings us into being lean. So yeah. obviously we're in this position now where we are lean. Us especially, we try and always, because that's our standard, that's what we want to be. It's our choice. Yeah, we want to be that way. Um, and you get people saying, mm, being lean is probably too much. You don't need to be that lean and perform like... We basically, someone wants us to dive in on can you be lean and compete and be very, very good at what you do? The answer is yes, by the way. If you look, this is what gets me the most, look at the top end sport athletes, like elite level cyclists, Tour de France, they are paper skin thin mm. with regards to body fat levels. And guess what? Some of the most high performing athletes you'll ever see. Mm. Look at top end football players, exact same. Mm. Like it's across most sports, bearing a, minding a few heavyweights like Tyson Fury, who's not like the snort and molded person, but the majority of these top-level sports, these athletes are all in impeccable shape. Mm. Peeled a yeah. lot of the time. And guess what? They're the best of what they do. Yeah. Madness. Yeah. So it's, it's very dangerous. To some, sometimes people probably don't see it from the right angle. Fuel for, fueling for performance, etc. for sure. All these people in this condition fuel for performance. They do not fuel to be shredded. A byproduct of how they train, what they train, and how hard they fucking train yeah. is why they're in the position in now. Yeah. And it's very easy to get misconstrued with what you're doing and, and kind of look at it and think, you know what? And it's, sometimes it's coming from a position, maybe your body image, 
mm. where they can't tap into it and go that to that place yeah. and be in that place in that mode because that place means a high volume of training and a high capacity for work. Mm. If you can't get there, then you can mask it by doing that. I'll just eat instead, it's fine. For sure. Like, there's different ways of going around that. Eating, yeah. I mean, we've, we've, we touch on this a lot, don't we? Yeah. And, you know, eating for performance is eating for performance. Keyword. Performance. Performance. Okay. And people get far too emotional again because they're pushing their narrative to suit them. Okay. They're just pushing a narrative. Okay. If you take away all emotions, okay, become, become very <laughs> unemotional about the process. Just very unemotional. Don't worry about this group of people that eat loads to perform. Don't worry about this group of people that are really shredded. And they tell you that you can be very shredded and perform. These tell you that you need to eat loads and perform. Just go to yourself. Come to yourself, look at your calorie intake, look at your performance, and scale it accordingly. Do you know what I'm saying? What happens is they'll normally meet here, and you'll be in a very good spot. You'll be in a good spot. Do you know what I mean? Don't push any other narrative. Beside, if you take emotions away, and you look at your own performance, you start to eat a bit more food, and performance increases, brilliant, you're doing the right kind of thing. If your performance keeps increasing, brilliant, you're doing the right thing, if that's what your goal is. Mm. No, Fine. No argument needed. You know, if you then start to eat more and eat more and eat more and then performance starts to dip, are you eating too much food? Possibly. Scale it back. Just if you're it suit your, just your suit sport. you and your sport and what you need it for because we know some sports, you can get away with high levels of body fat. You can get away with lower levels of body fat. Positions in sport, the same. Positions in sport. But if you want to be the absolute best, you're going to do the right things to be the absolute best. It's yeah. as simple as that. Like, you can scale your... if. Let's just say you're performing not great right now. Or let's just say you're eating a certain amount and your performance starts to go down and you eat a little bit more food because we encourage a lot of our clients to our eat clients more eat. food. Like, eat more food. We mentioned Claire, for example. Claire, massive. Yeah. You know, one of, one of, Danny, one of your clients, Danny Claire. She Context, was, she trains maybe 15 times a week. She has 15 sessions Coffee a week, style, hard, everything. hard sessions. And she, she wasn't wraps. eating enough food, was she? Exactly. You've took over you know, her diet, you're helping her with the coaching. We're slowly building up. But guess what? She's building in. up already a lean spot of body but she's, fat. In, she's still lean she can now utilize what we're giving her yeah a lot of carbs around training a lot of carbs through the day etc nothing's really changed on the scale nothing's really changed body fat wise everything's nice and tight mm. she's not super shredded yeah but she's in a lean spot from a body fat point of view and she's an athlete yeah. yeah and she's slowly but surely increasing that food intake to a point where it gets to it's like well no it's too much i feel sluggish i feel tired right it's probably too far scale it back yeah and it's no more than that. That's it's it. honestly not that deep beyond that. Like, there's no narrative that needs to be pushed other than she has a point of view where she wants to look lean. Yeah, mm. from a body image point of view, she wants to be in a lean spot. Right, okay, that's catered for. She trains impeccably hard. She wins comps. Mm. Yeah, she ticks all the boxes. Yeah? yeah, we go off her feedback, not my personal feedback. For sure. Which is very hard as a coach. And sometimes as a coach, especially if you're very ingrained into, I've been super shredded, I didn't enjoy it, fine. That's too much for you. You don't know what's too much for that person. It's up, sure, to, it's up to them to sure. decide what is too much. Yeah, it's their journey, not yours all the time. Don't yeah. wrong, you have to guide. And it's like sometimes we have said no to certain people and doing certain methods and going too far with certain things. It's like listen, it's pointless. It's not a health-seeking thing to do. Yeah, but it's like you've still got to let the client know, and you still got to cover that channel. You can't just put your narrative for sure on your clients and limit them potentially. For sure, they have to steer the ship. You just have to kind of yeah, yeah. You facilitate. Nice, you you steer, steer the ship. The ship. Steer the ship. Spread the word. Spread the gospel. Spread the word. Yeah. Steer the shit. No, it's, but, it's absolutely right. You know, the, the key thing is, is with this, the eating for performance argument, okay, you have to make sure you are performing, okay? And 
to answer that question, am I performing? Well, just look at your data. What is your current situation right now and what is your aims? Are you getting better? Brilliant. Perfect. <laughs> then you're doing the right kind you of what you're doing. You're, you're doing the right kind of thing for you. Don't worry about pushing any other narrative. Just eat your food and get better. Train fucking hard. Train hard and eat your food. And if and you know what? If if your performance is increasing and your food's increasing, brilliant, you are doing exactly the right Ride thing. Ride that wave. Just keep 100%. going and keep going and keep going. But you know, progression and calories are not on the same trajectory. And it's never infinite linear because no. a lot of food, pal. It, it, they're, they're just not correlated. Yeah. You know, I wish it was because <laughs> <laughs> I can put away some food, right? You know, we always used to have the argument of, me, you, you know, your muscle mass isn't correlated to your calories directly. It's not a direct correlation because otherwise you'd see a lot of Hella stacked guys. people. Yeah, you know, yeah. you'd see a lot of people with a lot of muscle mass with it's the amount like of calories that. that they eat. So there is going to be a point in the calorie buildup if, if this is what you're doing. There's going to be a point in your calories where actually this is the right spot. Anything over that is going to become quite useless. And you just maybe eating just for the sake of it because you want to push your narrative a bit harder. Mm. You know, it's like you just want to push that narrative of eating for performance. Well, there's probably a sweet spot here that you could get away with. Energy, productivity, workouts, mm getting the most out of it. And if you're smart, you could maybe plan your calories for that workout. What certain days when you've got high laptop work, what do you have for breakfast and why? I take the carbs out right. and I reduce my calories because I, because I need to concentrate on work, right? But when there is bigger days, if we're doing double days, guess what happens? Food increases, carbohydrates increase. When the mileage goes up in the big runs, yeah. there's a lot of food. Yeah. And, and we do that because we are eating for performance. Not just training performance, mental performance, yeah. everything. And, and, and this is the point. I lower my carbohydrates and I lower my calories so that I can perform better in work. I've got more clarity. That doesn't mean things have gone up. So eating for performance doesn't always mean up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. always mean increase. Yeah. Eat, nutrition for performance can go up and it can come down. It doesn't mean that you always eat more. To increase yeah. performance, right? You if change what you, you're you, taking you change. in some that you're using. Yeah, yeah. you to change the it. amounts. You change it on, on, on specific days. Some of the best athletes I know, guess what they do? They eat more when they train more. And they eat less when they train less. You know, you look at, you, you know they don't just keep eating and eating because it's for performance. Two rest days, we've got to load up, pal. It's just not the case, you know. But people, like, for the guys that are listening, you know, it's, it's like, see how you feel off eating a bit more food? Does it get better? Yeah. See how you feel off eating a bit less because there are certain sessions when you're experienced in training. There are certain sessions where you want to feel a bit fuller and there are certain sessions where you want to feel a bit more empty. And overall for the day, you might have a certain goal We've that you want to hit. we with runs, haven't we? Like we naturally prefer not being too heavy in the stomach because it's the time of day we do it solely for that reason. Yeah. But we don't want loads of massive portions of food in the morning and then feel groggy, feel tired, feel sluggish, mm. feel like you need to poo all the way around your run. Yeah. You want to feel nice and empty and then it sometimes comes to what you're taking in. Like we'll take a lot of liquid cows in on certain races because it's just not necessarily needed to really go in on the car, yeah. for example, and have big food. And it's for that reason, we decide what we're doing per race, what yeah. suits us. And a lot of the time it's anecdotal. We've done it and tried it and performed mm. it. It's always great sometimes to get it from, oh, try this, try this, try this. Yeah, we have tried them all. Right? Yeah. And this is what suits <laughs> we'll me the best. Them, yeah, this we'll... is what keeps this sharp, which yeah. is massive when it comes to races and massive when it comes to competing is, you can be so carved up up to the nines and in the best shape ever, but if you're mentally not performing mm. because things aren't lined up the right way, it's a fucking irrelevant. Yeah. You know, I think one thing that we try and do with our education on eating for performance <coughs> is letting people know that it's just not 
eating more. <laughs> you know, and hopefully we... 7,000 calories, please, pal. Yeah, literally, yeah. eating to increase performance means that we take things into a bit more detail. It doesn't just mean increased calories. It's timing. It's, you know, macronutrient-based. It can go up. It can go down. It can move left. It can move right. Why? Because you want to increase performance. It's not just, here's a bunch of food that you can eat more of because this is the narrative we want to push. If you want to really increase your performance, then you should look at all the other things, not just, I'll chuck another 1,000 calories in. That might actually work, for mm. sure. That might actually work. But really, there's a few more yeah, things you can time. do. And then yeah, there's, what it comes back to is, where's your performance markers? Yeah, and just make sure that then performance markers are shifting. So we then go into age and performance. We had a good little chat with this. Um, peak physical performance, when does it meet? What sort of age is it? And how does it affect you from a mental standpoint and a physical standpoint? So some interesting little bits within there. Mm. Now, very sport dependent. Certain sports, you've got a shelf life. If you look at professional sport, for example, football, there's a certain career span and then there's a fresh breed coming in. Certain endurance sports, it's probably a little bit later than that again because you develop with, with time spent doing this sport. And obviously, aerobically, you can keep that engine kind of moving mm. further because there's no impact in there. You can keep it moving. It's very much dependent on what the goal is. Yeah. yeah. But age, how do you see age and how it stands out for people? Well, I really love the argument of age is just a number. <sighs> I really do like that. But we know, of course, that... If someone's 60, you're smoking. Them <laughs> but if you're right. 60, you get an ad. <laughs> um, no, but there is obviously some physiological differences in people as they change, of course, right? Yeah. As they get older. And some sports, like you've just said, do suit a certain age group, yeah. right? But I think if you break it down in even further, it's like, well... How is that person having to train and what is the longevity of them and their bodies to be able to suit that goal as well, right? You know, if you've got somebody that's really, really hammering training, really pushing the boundaries hard, you could almost assume that their shelf life in anything is going to go worse. It, sorry, it's going to shorten because they're really pushing hard. Powerlifting. To a, powerlifting, you know. Because of the nature of it, yeah. There is a shelf life, of course. And, and along that journey, it's like how... Like how far have you pushed your body? Mm -hmm. Like really, like joints, ligaments, tendons, muscles, etc. Have you really pounded your body hard? Well, you're going to get a great result, but it's more than likely going to come off come a bit earlier point. than if somebody that just really took their time. And so I think individuals, the individual is, and what they're doing to achieve their goals is a huge part of that shelf life in terms of age. You know, because we see it all the time. There are people training into their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. They're still training, but of course they're not doing what they used to do. Of course. Yeah. You know, so I think as, as we age, priorities change. As we get older, what our physical capabilities change. And I think naturally people just go towards the things that make them happy. Can, and they actually enjoy. Happy, and enjoy. Do. And they can actually still, still do. do. Yeah. yeah. Like you've said, you know, pro boxers. Can't get your head kicked in forever. You can't get your head smashed in forever. You know, footballers, like you said, career-wise, it's a short, it's, it's, it's an early career, isn't it? You know, um, there is obviously outliers. There are, there are people out there that can still do it for longer, but naturally speaking, yeah. I think the mental standpoint, I know we talked on this this morning as well, is like how people change mentally as they get older. Like the difference in probably yourself as an athlete, myself as an athlete at 20 compared to where we are now based on what we've done, what you've experienced, what you've competed in, what you've been exposed to, what you've trained around in different circumstances, the way you perform now, like we said this morning, nothing phases you the older you get. Yeah. Like these guys who are like 50, for example, just don't They just don't get that, that way. Yeah. Yeah. You can say whatever you want to and they'll just look at you and go, sweet. 
Yeah. yeah. The amount of people in Lakeland, for example, who are older, I'm yeah. gonna absolutely smoke you because yeah. they're just not phased by it, and they've got such a big body of work, yeah, base-wise before you've even touched the surfaces. Yeah, yeah. There's so many people out there who've got so many more years in the tank, in the trenches, whatever you want to yeah. say, not just from a physical standpoint, but from a mental standpoint, the amount of races they've done. You'll look at some of these guys, they've probably got about 20, 30 medals on the wall because they've been exposed to that many race conditions. Yeah. Not asked. Yeah, you can, you can guarantee two things that as you get older, one, you've built up a lot of volume. Uh, you Mentally know, you, and physically. And you've, you've built, you know, your, your mental game. And, and from a couple of reasons. One, you've exposed yourself to many competitions or many miles or you've done this thing that you're doing many times. And as you get older, we tend to just give less of a shit about anybody else or yeah. about anything else that really is a distraction. You know, in our really 20s, it's like you train really, really yeah. hard and then you might go out on the piss for the weekend. You know, you might get into social stuff. You might do the, you know, and your body is still young at that age. You know, there's obviously a lot of talent and people that can be really good at young age. But as you mature, your body does get better. You do Definitely get stronger. You know, you, you do get stronger. You do get better at a certain age. And then at that point, it's then going to probably start to decline a little bit more. Your recovery takes longer. You're a bit sore for longer, you know. So the naturally, these guys with a strong mental capacity can keep pushing because they have all these extra issues, so they create more solutions. Mm. Like, so how many things break down? They'll then find and spend money to fix things that's it, that's and actually get past it and have longevity, whatever they're trying to do. Because ultimately, the passion for whatever they do is clearly massive. Mm. Yeah, so they will fix anything that's going on mm. to make sure they can still keep doing what they enjoy doing and what they can just about still do. Yeah, yeah. like our ultimate goal is probably to train for as long as we possibly can until it's just not thing. Yeah. Start playing backgammon outside the shop or something like that, final style, whatever <laughs> yeah. it needs to be. Yeah, but it's like age is a massive factor in physical performance if you can tap into and expose yourself to as many different things as you can earlier on, because mm. then you will have something forever. You're able to always, yeah. f you can crawl back into something where you've been exposed to in the past and experience was tough to then bring you forward in something else that's happening further yeah. down the line because you've already experienced it before. Whereas if you only start picking something up later in life, yeah. like fair play, yeah. but things are going to be harder. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like the argument of I'm this age, so I can't do this. Yeah. Like the age, the number of years that you're alive doesn't dictate whether you can or you can't. Do you know what I mean? It's just at what level that you can if you choose to. Yeah. You know, if you choose not to, okay, but just because you're 60 years old doesn't mean you can't do something. You know, you can do something. It might not be what it used to be, but you could probably maybe walk if you wanted to. You know, you could yeah. probably find something that's, physical for you at that point like it doesn't mean a number doesn't mean you can't do nothing you know it just means that you might have to consider something else at some point and you know I think like you said as well certain sports are probably better at a certain age you know like you said yeah. endurance guys we find a lot of endurance guys they TK do mature better. yeah and I'm thinking like well depending on how hard people push but bodybuilding you hear the muscle maturity argument don't you when they just need some more muscle maturity Listen, Johnny Green does two bicep curls and he's pumped <laughs> yeah. takes me two hours like yeah, it's not the yeah. vibe there's the muscle maturity argument for bodybuilding because Johnny's why. old as anything um, so yeah things sometimes get better with age and some things you're probably you know, better off as you look career. at we'll say something that's so popular like triathlon and things like that in more the businessman kind of world, especially it's like the new golf. Mm. Yeah, but what do these older blokes have more of? Time, because a lot of them have got businesses and they have <laughs> yeah, more time, time away from their businesses yeah. and more time to put into a sport they probably didn't used to do 10 years ago. Of course. So that's potentially why they're maturing. There's other factors in there, but physiological, like what I was trying to say is, 
you will naturally build a bigger body of work and get better as you age to a point. Mm, to a point, drop. and then it starts it to drop. drop. And then that's when you have to find safer ways to do your exercise. You have to think about your recovery yeah. a little bit more. Um, I will not be running after 40, <laughs> put it that way. Yeah, yeah. With, yeah with your knees. Yeah, I'm not running after 40 on trails, um, trust me. Yeah, and, and again, does that mean that you have to stop training? No, road bikes. No, you're going to get on the road bike. Just find something else, that's fine. Yeah, does that mean that things have to stop? Nah, you just have to change this the goalposts. This is why in HPC, hybrid, what we want to say, we always try and say, expose yourself to as many different things that you enjoy as possibly can. Like, say something does happen. I did it recently with, with knees, with my surgery, etc. I just dropped onto something else in the meantime. Mm. I had 12 weeks of waiting to get back to normal. And it's like, right, I'll pick something else to do for that time. Don't just not on it right away. Yeah. I'm done. I'm and I've wait. got a small back issue at the minute. Small back issue. I've got a small back issue at the moment, which I'm not being able to do the things that I want to do, like the mileage. So I'm working around it as well. And, and I think... Um, it's one of them it's things. It's quite cathartic that you've said that, Paul. It's, it's, like that. <laughs> I feel like I'm making a change. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things. I've got a small back issue at the moment. You've and been it, bottling it for a while. And, and it's just finally out on himself. And it's it. preventing me from doing the things that yeah. I want to do at the level that I want to do them. So, you know, for me, this is kind of my first injury that I've ever had to face, to be honest. it's I've never had to do anything, you know, to really fix it. All the niggles from training. Just yeah, bits yeah, and niggles. niggles. So for me now, for me changing the goalpost now, it's actually a bit of a realisation that shit, do you know what? I've got to do things a bit differently now. I can't always have it the way I want it and, you know, do the things that I want to do. So, you know, short term, I'm going to have to change the goalpost, get things fixed up a bit before I can come back to where it needs to be. But again, over time, you know, the next 10 years, the next, as it goes further, I'm going to have to get used to this a little bit more, changing the goalpost yep. because we can't always do the weights that we want to lift. We can't always run the miles we want to lift because things are good. I mean, we've got plenty of time yet, Dan. Do you know what I'm saying? We've got loads of time yet. We're not 40. We've got loads of time yet, you know, but... The goal is yeah. to make this happen forever and be okay with changing the goalposts as we go along. But as always in this place, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been stood really in the back behind here for the last 12 weeks just watching people, ah, just, just tweaking through the curtains and not seeing what's going down. Yeah. It's annoying, isn't it? Age isn't a reason to not do anything. Your age just means that you might have to consider a few things differently, that's it. Yeah. This puts us into uh, my fact, Paul. A fact of the a day. Fact. It's a deep sea vibe as well. Did I mean, you know? how, I'm <laughs> See, it could go anywhere. This is the point, and this is what we're trying to get now, is to get him doing something random. Because yeah, uh, he doesn't like losing this steely look. And like, it's... When you're locked into a conversation, it's great, and then Danny always comes in and drops I was a acting lot... for, uh, asking for YouTube of octopuses the other week. At Ryan's Dropped house. a little bomb. This is got. Danny's ADHD kicking in. All right, come on then. So fact about the deep sea part. There's only 20% of the sea floor has been mapped. It makes it more of a mysterious place than the surface of the moon or the Mars. What's your thoughts on it, Paul? <laughs> well... <laughs> Is this, a, this is this what I'm saying. Fact. There's only 20% been mapped out, and that's scary to me. That is pretty scary, to be fair. Imagine what would be. What do you reckon's down there, Paul? Well, that is quite. This a is thing. the question. What's down there? Well. Megalodon. Possibly. Still there, bro. Possibly. It's coming back. Possibly. There could be some creatures down there. There could be some underworld cities. Have you seen them? From what? So you're giving me... Have you seen right, that? so what have you been watching? Well, have you not seen, like, the, the, there was, there's cities underground and there's cities in, under the sea and all that? Have you not seen no. it? Why have you not linked me up? Have you seen that? Have you seen that, Aki? Have you seen that? Yeah. Where, oh. where actually... So neither of you have linked me up. Well, oh, it's off. apparently, apparently there's secret tunnels where you can get from, like, Bolton to Australia 
in seven minutes and shit. Bolton specifically. <laughs> no. Do you know, like you can get from one end of the world to the other in these really underground secret like transportation systems. In the sea? I think so. It's a load of rubbish. But there are people saying that there's genuinely these things, but if there's only twenty percent of the sea, do these people explored, say the earth's flat though? Well is this the thing? Mate, with twenty percent of the sea only being discovered, Who there knows? could be some channels from Bolton to Perth. <laughs> <laughs> there could be that no one knows about. But no, you know, this kind of thing, the unknown, is actually a thing that bothers me. It scares me a bit, you know. It's like a thing that it's like, it's like there's so much of the unknown that you don't really know about. The, the universe, let's go in now. The universe, <gasps> an infinity. It's like the twilight zone entrance. Have you, seen, have, you, have, you, have you seen the galaxies where they're all... Talk to me. I love how this has turned back on you. Let's go. You're in now. There's a, there's a set of galaxies that's the size of a 5P on a, on a huge scale. And there are multiple galaxies in there. Size of a 5P? Hundreds of billions of galaxies. I'm so out of context. And someone listening now is going to go, Andy, you're completely wrong. But Calls out. There is, a, there is a very small little dot that the, the, the telescopes have seen. Right. And then they went a bit closer and it opened up into billions of other galaxies. And then there's like a, a world nah. this big and we're in this little dot amongst billions of galaxies and there is all of this. Do you know what? I'd That's rather not know. Heavy. It makes you feel like what's, it's like, you're this, it's so insignificant. I'd rather not know. Brian Cox is unbelievable. I'd rather not know. Honestly. Nah. You, know, you know, Brian Cox has done an episode of Postman Pat as well. <laughs> How random is that? Deep Sea. 5P galaxies Freya, and now Postman Pat. My little girl. My little girl seems to like Postman Pat. It's a bit mad, you know. And Brian Cox does a version of that. Anyway. Guys. I've enjoyed this episode. If you've enjoyed the episode you. and you found value in the deep sea dive. In this one. Uh, of course, share it with your friends, share it with people you find would have value um, in this chat, especially the uh, the deep sea issue. And um, 5P we'll, galaxies. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye bye.